the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you are a believer in Christ, Paul says you are alive to God. Now that's quite a statement, one that we are exploring here today on Abounding Grace. Join Pastor Gary Wagner next. indeed is some rich content here in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 14. Today we're back in that passage as we continue our journey through the book of Romans. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're looking once again at our message we began yesterday simply entitled Alive to God. That is an amazing statement we are exploring together. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary in today's program. If we are so educated, then why aren't we holier than we are? Because we don't come to Jesus more. How do you come to Jesus? There's no other hope, no other strength, nothing but living to God. Christ can save me. He alone. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to bed early so I can get up early to seek the king in his word and prayer. I'm going to abide in his word because that is where he is. He says, abide in me and my word abides in you and you will bear tiny little shriveled up fruit. Is that what it says? No, it says much. Why? Because it is not me. It is him. He is the one who does it. It is his grace. It is his strength. It is his. I died to sin. I've conquered it. I'm alive to God. I have opened heaven unto you. I have everything you need. Oh, please look to me. And yet we don't want to memorize scripture. Nor do many want to meditate on it. We don't want to commune with Christ. We want to draw everyone's attention to me. Draw attention to my problems, my troubles, my weaknesses, my circumstances. No, no, no. Look to Christ. There he is at the right hand of the Father. And he is alive to God opening heaven for you. Are you calling upon him? If you're not calling upon him, if you're not in his word, do not, beloved, expect To be holy. It will not happen. Don't expect to have joy in the Lord's day. Or joy in saying no to yourself. And obeying the commands of God. Don't expect it. Why? John 15.4 Without me you can do nothing. And Jesus won't let you do anything if you are his. If you're not looking to him. Because he doesn't want you to trust yourself. He doesn't want you to be hoarding the old manna thinking, I'll bring it out later, but I don't have to seek it today. Don't we often do that? Well, I prayed on Tuesday. 
What more does God want from me? I read John 3.16 last Friday. I mean, come on, man. To quote our president, Joe Biden. We're hoarding the old manna. We're thinking, well, God gave me manna yesterday. That's all I need for even today. So I'm not going to work again. Every day for 38 years, the Jews had to go out and gather except for the Lord's day. So are you seeking Christ every day? The word likewise tells you to. He said, likewise, verse 11, reckon, as it is said in the old, in the King James, consider this. And this is the command that we are given now. Think about, turn over in your mind, really investigate it. Investigate what? Now, please understand, this isn't the power of positive thinking that I'm giving you here. There is no Norman Vincent Peale in this pulpit. This is, there is no sense of, if you just tweak a few things about how you're thinking, you'll be okay. No, he says, consider something about you. Think about it. Turn it over in your mind. You know, God has to tell us what to think about ourselves. We, we might think we know ourselves better than anyone else. You may very well, like me, know yourself less than most people know you because when you live in the darkness of your own fallen personality, ugly becomes normal. Ugly becomes normal. Well, that's why in this whole thing we are constantly told to look away from self. Look at what Christ has done. Focus on Him. Don't focus on yourself. Look at what He has done. Not on your circumstances. And what are we supposed to think about ourselves? Verse 11. To be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, we're supposed to think of ourselves, number one, as being in union with Christ. Now, does that make a difference, really? Of course it does. If you're a Christian here today, you are in union with the Son of God who died to sin and is alive to God. So that what those things mean to Him, they mean for you. As you abide in Him. Do you think, do you think He had to go through this for Himself? Did He need this for Himself? No, he did it for our sakes because we were dead and we needed a redeemer and we would have perished. So we're supposed to think of ourselves in union with Christ. And two, I'm dead to sin. Wow, I'm dead to sin? Oh, you should have been in my thoughts last night, preacher. You should have heard what I said to my husband last night. You think I'm dead to sin? Really? Jesus doesn't say here, by his spirit, think of your experience as defining you. He's telling us to think of ourselves in Christ as living and having undergone a tremendous transformation. That when we believe in Jesus Christ, the death that he died to sin is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. So that we can, as we will see next week, Lord willing, resist sin. 
Now, how do you face the temptations in your life? I've fallen before. I'm going to fall again. That's just who I am. That's what happens when I get at a certain point in my thinking or when I'm confronted by certain situations in my family or at work. It's just what happens. Well, then you are defeated already. Jesus says, listen, you need to think of yourselves here as one with me in my death to sin. You also are dead to it in me. I've crucified it. It's not that you are going to be perfect. I will make you feel the splinters of my cross, but the dominion of it has been broken. Do you think of yourself like that? I have often wondered, particularly a few years ago when there was a big movement to go back to nature. Remember? Christians need to go back and be ruralist and such. I kept reading scripture to find something to support this, and I never could. Particularly for believers who lived in a place like Corinth, which was a filthy city that literally would have made San Francisco look like a good place for a Sunday school destination on its worst day. Why didn't the apostles ever tell them to leave? I'll tell you why. Because Christians who are in union with Jesus Christ are not defined in terms of the filth of the city in which they live. They are defined in terms of what the Son of God has done by his death, dying to sin, breaking its dominion, by satisfying the curse of God upon our sin. Everything in us has changed There are temptations to be avoided. We're not enthusiasts. We realize we are to avoid certain things and that evil company corrupts good morals, but I'm not going into this thing and living in Silicon Valley defeated. I'm going into it being in union with Christ who has overcome, who is dead, but he is now alive forevermore. I'm supposed to think of this so that when I face temptation... I don't look at it and say, well, you know, everyone sins. No one's perfect. Do you realize that that's Satan's best excuse? I look at my sins and I'm supposed to reckon, Scripture says. I'm supposed to consider. I'm supposed to turn it over and over and over in my mind and in my heart and in my affections and in my will. Jesus died to that sin. He broke it. I'm to cling to him. He will break it in me. He will. Because he is alive to God forevermore. Is that how you deal with sin in your life? Do we worry? Do we fret and sweat with guilt? Lord, you have died to break the power of this sin. What my experience has been in the past is irrelevant. What counts is what you have done. You died to sin. Please bring the power of your death to sin to bear in me so that I can, like you, live to God. Here is the question. Only for believers. How many of the old grave clothes do you still have on or in your closet? How many of the household idols are you keeping around just thinking, I can't give them up? I'll never be able to break away from those sins of the tongue. The way you respond to your spouse, your children, your parents. I can't give it up. I'm sure when Lazarus 
the morning after his great resurrection had taken place, he didn't turn to Mary and say, Hey, Mary, what did you do with those nice clothes I was wearing in the grave for four days? I was going to wear them again today. They burned them. Why? Lord, by this time, he stinketh. What are we putting on in our lives? Allowing to fester that makes us stink. That has more in common with our old man when the old man has died. Do you live as if your old man is dead? Or are you still feeding him? Do you still feed him on the feeding tube of worldliness, pride, lust, covetousness, greed, envy, whatever it is? The old man has been crucified with Christ, my friends. And Paul says, listen, do you want to make progress in holiness? Do you want to know more of life in Christ? Consider, pay careful attention to, regard, take into your foremost thinking that you are dead to sin and alive to God. Some of you remember perhaps life as an unbeliever. Maybe in your most honest moment, you felt something of the alienation and separation of God. Things just didn't seem to be right between God and you. Paul's here says, not anymore. Now, please, don't just cut off by this by saying, I'm not alive to God. So this doesn't apply to me. Paul says, forget your feelings. Look to Christ. The whole argument in this is Jesus is alive to God and therefore we are alive to God through what Jesus has done. Now we certainly learn to enjoy more of this over time as we fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is, and you must remember this, we have it right now. Beloved, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, God is not your enemy He's not angry with you. He's not keeping a record of all your sins. And when you do sin, you can't obey yourself back into his good standing. Why? Because you never lost that good standing. Because Christ never gets out of that standing of now being alive to God. He died to sin once. When we fall, what do we do? Did Peter fall to the bottom of no return? Okay, well, I fell. I'll just go to the bottom. There's nothing for me but suicide. I've sinned. I've broken my perfect perfection complex. How much of that is true of us? What did Peter do? Lord, I'm undone. I'm drowning. Save me. That's the same thing we are to do because we are alive to God. Why did Peter walk on the water? Because he was alive to God. Why did Peter call out to Jesus when he was sinking? He was alive to God. It wasn't perfected in him yet, just like it's not perfected in us. But the reality is there. So if you're carrying sins with you this week, go back to the cross and the one who died to sin but is alive unto God. Heaven is still open. God doesn't grow peeved with his children. He doesn't see us in our filth like we are. He only sees what Christ has done. The sin has been died to. The curse has been paid. 
No one can lay a charge against us. God won't lay a charge against us. You might ask, well, how can you say that? It is because he respects his son too much to ever bring up and lay a charge against one for whom his son shed his precious blood. So Paul says, you think about this. And not just, oh yeah, let me just put it on a t-shirt so I can think about it a little more often. No, the word here means you bring him into your foremost self. You take it as an implication for everything you do. Your words, the way you live, the way you relate to unbelievers, what you look at. I am dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. I don't know it fully yet. But Christ does. He has prevailed. Notice what he said to John in the words we already read in Revelation. John falls down like a, a dead man. And Jesus basically says, John, get up. Look at me. Look at me. Stop looking at how you feel right now. I don't want you looking at that. You have more important things in this life to do to go, than to go around looking at yourself all the time. What a boring occupation. Look at me I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. I am alive, absolutely. And he says the same, same thing to us today. Stop looking at yourself, except insofar as where you see areas in your life and in your family and in the world in which you are drowning, that it then leads you to cry out to the living Christ. Lord Jesus, save me. Let me tell you, Jesus did not let Peter sink, and he will not let you sink. No one who calls upon the name of the Lord will ever be abandoned. If you are an unbeliever here today, and you're already drowning, he raises men up out of the depths. So come to him. He has life. Nothing else in this world does. Forget your pills. Forget your drugs. Forget psychology. Forget I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. You are dead. And only Christ can give you life. And he will. He says, come to me. All you are heavy laden, weary, sin burden. I will give you rest. Because I have died to the power of sin. And I am alive to God forevermore. Do you want life? Come to me. And that's why the last phrase of verse 11, in, really the preposition there should probably be, should probably not be through, even though it is a similar idea. But in Christ Jesus. I'm sure most of you know, because I've said this so many times, this is Paul's favorite phrase, in Christ. If we could only see this for ourselves. Let's take marriage. Do you think of yourself independently of your spouse? Well, of course, you know you shouldn't. If a pretty girl, men, married men, asked you out for a date, which is certainly possible today, do you think, well, maybe I'll go? You shouldn't. Why? Because, of course, you're married. And you should think, oh, my wife is probably not going to like that. But actually, you must go much higher than that. You need to go, I don't care how pretty she is. I don't want to cheat on my wife. God has already provided for me. See ya. To use a similar analogy, 
I didn't see any of the branches on my birch trees in my backyard today saying, I'm tired of hanging here. I'm going to get off and go somewhere else. Nope. All the branches that were there last Sunday were there this morning. I checked just to make sure. Then they were all there. Because the things God puts together cannot be broken. We are united to Christ. Yeah, it's hard to see it. Feelings won't help me in this. Experience won't help me here. My reason won't help me much in this either. Because this is an article of faith. We believe this because God says it. It is not Gary Wagner. It is not Catalina Pyle. It is not Ben Loomis who lives. It is Christ who lives. We do live. But it is in Christ who lives in us. Our lives are forever united with our head. He is our destiny. He is our life. Now let me ask you. How are you going to live since Jesus Christ is your life? What are you doing right now in your life? What are you thinking about? How are we all spending our time, resources, or whatever that would say, no, 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 it's my life. I'm not going to live forever. I may as well live for now and grab what I can. Is that how we are living? Now, we may not be conscious of this, but is this how we are living? It is how the reprobate live. It is how people who are still dead to sin, to, who are still dead live. But Christ gives us a new life. And he says, I've come that they may have new life and may have it more abundantly. And Jesus offers this to each one of us. You might say, Pastor, I really appreciate that, but I'm really feeling weak right now with all that's going on in my life. Can you make it better? No, Jesus can. And even if he doesn't make it better, which normally translate as make it go away, he is there. And if he is there, and we are one with him in his death and in his resurrection, so it's okay. I'm very concerned about verse 11, though, for some people. Because any time in Scripture we are told to think about something or to exert serious mental energy, it is a problem. Because we are mentally, morally, and emotionally lazy. And you know those devices you have in your pocket? They encourage that. Our devices, our technology encourages that. Is there an app for thinking? Well, probably. Beloved, I know I'm spitting against a hurricane. But if you're going to grow in holiness, you must spend sweat equity in the word of God. And since it is the word of God, spit beats a hurricane. If you're going to make progress in holiness, you must develop the ability, the habit, the exercise, the discipline of meditation upon the glory of Christ. We must have a clear apprehension of him. And let me tell you, from painful experience, having been in the church for the past 45 years, this cannot be developed in five minutes here and five minutes there, between your favorite shows, between your emails, between your text. It cannot happen. I would encourage every single man in this congregation to organize your evenings, 
Listen to his voice in his word. Listen to it in the morning. And throughout the day, you can hope in that word. Union with Christ is too precious to be put in the app folder of your life. It must be a priority. In fact, it is the priority for Christians because it is the only life there is. Everything outside of Christ is dead, but he is alive forevermore. And he asks, do you want my life? Come to me. I will give you life. I will give you rest. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.